Podcasting from the JNK Twin Studios. This is the show for Reds fans, by Reds fans. Each week, we take a look at the games, the players, and the stories of Cincinnati Reds baseball. Now, your hosts, Scott Evans and Nick Lawson. And welcome to the Reds Fans Chatter Podcast. I'm Scott Evans. He's Nick Lawson. And this is the season wrap-up show. Unfortunately, the season came to a very quick end uh, this past week uh, with a 2 nothing sweep uh, by the Braves. And that's really almost the score if they didn't pile on on the second game. <laughs> well, I mean... We were all disappointed. I mean, we thought the Reds went in with some momentum, and they just uh, laid some eggs. Yeah, but uh, before we get started, a uh, couple items of business. Of course, uh, be sure to go to redsfanschatter.com slash steak. Visit our sponsor, Holy Grail Steak Company, and you can get 25% off tomahawks when you buy two or more. Uh, the code is there. The link is there. It's authentic Kobe beef, and it uh, sounds very good. I, I could use one right now. Sounds yummy. And also, we have a contest. You can win a Marty Brenneman talking microphone just by listening and subscribing to our podcast. It's kind of simple. All you have to do is uh, subscribe to our podcast uh, wherever you listen to us on, whether it be Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. I think I'm leaving off a couple, but wherever you uh, Podbean, uh, wherever you listen to us, subscribe, take a screenshot of it, and uh, email that to us at contest at redsfanschatter.com and uh, put the screenshot in there. And also include the code word because you can enter in with each podcast. So this week's podcast is playoffs. Or this week's yep. uh, code word is playoffs. So email the word playoffs along with the screenshot, and you'll be in the drawing. We'll draw the winner for this uh, Marty Brenneman microphone on November 30th. So uh, lots of chances to win with this. Can I enter? Uh, no, you're not eligible. Dang it. Also, you have to be in the continental United States, and we're not responsible for any damage or delays due to the uh, Postal Service. But yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a postal service. <laughs> it, it's going to be sent in the original box and uh, will be wrapped up properly. But uh, you never know. You might get uh, a Kramer out there that's going to join his buddy down the street that's a postman and then play uh, catch with the uh, box. Giddy up. I've been watching Seinfeld lately. So <laughs> I can tell. I love uh, Seinfeld. You can't go wrong with Seinfeld. Right. Anyway, uh, let's get into it. Uh, piece of Reds history. Uh, you said you have something for this week. I do. Uh, October 4th, 1986, Hall of Famer Tony Perez. It's his 379th final home run of his career and a 10-7 win over the San Diego Padres at Riverfront Stadium. And I think I was at that game. I bet you were. If that was his very last game as a Red, I was there. That would be his last game. Yeah, was it the last game of the season that year? I think so. Yeah, then I would have been there. My uh, dad always got the uh, tickets to the last game of the season to do the uh, – he always wanted to win the uh, Fan Appreciation Day. Never did. Back then they gave away awesome prizes. Marge usually had two or three uh, cars uh, up for uh, grabs or lease up for grabs. And uh, that kind of went away with the Castellinis. Now it's like La Rosa's gift packs, maybe an autographed baseball, occasionally some tickets for the following year. But uh, 
But uh, anyway, we finally did win, I think, either two years ago. I believe I won uh, some La Rosa's uh, gift cards, so it came in pretty handy. You should give away, like, little Shotzi bobbleheads or something. Tribute <laughs> to Shotzi. You know, there there is only one Shotzi bobblehead. It's actually one of the more expensive uh, Reds bobbleheads out there. Uh, it was a Hall of Fame giveaway. It's one bobblehead I do not have, but I, I think it resells. Last time I checked, over $100. Well, I think it was only just – it wasn't just the one – dog made oh there was a that. no there was there was a few uh i forget how many there were i think there was only five thousand made or something along those lines could be even less oh, okay. than that but uh it was a hall okay. of it was a hall of is one of the first uh series of uh bobbleheads the hall of fame did uh if, if i believe and um so by the way if you've never been to the hall of fame reds hall of fame go please it is awesome it, it definitely is but uh yeah so i was at that game and uh uh, Tony Perez, one of my all-time favorite players. Marge did him absolutely wrong. Uh, 44 games. Uh, I mean, if he he would be here for years under the current uh, ownership, uh, at least given more chance than 44 games to, uh, to turn things around. But uh, I think Davey Johnson found a way to uh, get on Marge's good side, at least for a, tempor- a temporary basis, and... Uh, and uh, Marge was ready to make the change. I yeah, I agree. I think I think Tony he didn't get a fair shake. Um, he knew the system. He knew the city. He's, he he played most of his career here. And uh, yeah, I think he was given a raw deal. And Davy Johnson came in, and it was it was a cool moment. Davy was you know known for being the manager of the '86 Met team that won the World Series. So we had some hope with him. Right. And I think in '94, if the had not been a strike shortened year. Uh, the Reds were definitely in contention. Uh, them, uh, the Expos, uh, were definitely uh, headed towards the uh, postseason that year. But uh, unfortunately, there was a strike, no postseason, and uh, the rest is history. Reds uh, made a run in 95, and then nothing for 15 years. Yeah, that X team was pretty, pretty good. They had some, they had some guys. They had some good players on that team. And even the Reds, I mean, the Reds did too, but I mean, obviously the strike killed it. Right. Uh, so, uh, anyway, uh, Reds news nuggets, of course, uh, Reds out of the postseason, losing uh, the two games that we'll be talking about in just a moment. But uh, anything else of uh, note? Of course, you know, there's some free agents coming up. Uh, once the postseason is over, don't read too much into Twitter, people. Yeah. Yeah, I think I saw somewhere somebody had tweeted Trevor Bauer about uh, saying, you know, too bad I didn't last in Cincinnati. It was nice having you here. He goes, you said I'm not coming back. He can read into that. I don't know. You know, he, he's obviously left the door open to return, so hopefully he does. Right. But uh, anyway, uh, any anything else of notes, uh, news, news and notes uh, for the year? I think I saw something about uh, Dick Williams uh, giving confidence in the coaching staff. Yeah, he's he stated the coaching staff will return in twenty twenty one. He's he said they deserve another chance. Uh, I think it's a contract year for David Bell as well. Uh, so you know, I know there's a lot of fans, and I'm one of them that doesn't agree with this move, and like, except for uh, Derek Johnson. Uh, Derek does deserve to be here. He's done a great job with the pitching staff. Alan Zinter, he, he can he can find his way to the door anytime he wants. <laughs> he would not hit it though. 
No, he wouldn't. He would miss it all, obviously. <laughs> There's a doorknob there, Alan. Yeah, seriously. I mean, there's a couple of comments from Dick Williams. Now, he's not going to go into the media and trash the team. He shouldn't. Uh, that's not cool. But when he when he was, like, getting upset because people called that embarrassing, and that was embarrassing. The uh, performance in the uh, postseason was absolutely uh, embarrassing, not scoring a run in 22 innings. Uh, it's definitely disappointing. He did say that. But uh, the, the hitting all year has been bad. I don't know if it's a shortened season, if it's COVID, if it's, uh, you know, overuse of analytics. Uh, but if it's the latter, that's not going away next year if you have the same coaching staff, same same uh, hitting philosophy. A lot of the players have their own hitting coaches. I know Joey Votto does, always has. Um, and people want to point the fingers at Votto. He kind of turned things around. I mean, not to Joey Votto levels, but at least uh, respectable levels. Uh, towards the end of the season, uh, I mean, he's getting up there in age, so there is going to be some drop off. But I, I don't believe, especially with the on base percentage, uh, that you'd see such a dramatic drop off uh, that you would have from 2018 through uh, the David Bell era. So there's something else going on, in my opinion. I could be completely wrong, but uh, but yes, yeah, to say that uh, the coaching staff's coming back next year. I'll give it a little bit of a break just because it is a shortened season. It's COVID season. The Reds did make the postseason. If they didn't, I think uh, Dick Williams may have a little bit different uh, attitude about that. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it definitely was embarrassing uh, as a Reds fan listening to the games on the radio while I was at work. Um, I mean, the Tommy Thrall and the Cowboy did an excellent job. The pitching did an excellent job for the most part. Iglesias had a little rough spot uh, in the second game, which we'll get into. Uh, but overall, it was uh, it was not good. It was not fun. The Reds had opportunities to win the first game. Uh, there was base running errors, base running being overly conservative. I, I don't know if, which would be better to get thrown out at home or just sit there and, and hope that someone else drives you in or or what. But uh yeah, it was definitely poorly managed, poorly performed on the field, and uh, it, it was not good. Uh, I mean, they did make the postseason. I mean, a month ago when we were talking here, we thought we would be uh, doing this show last week. So at least there was some hope, but uh, overall, it was not good. And I understand, you know, they made the playoffs in a 60-game season. Now, in 162 games – and you have the lowest batting. Let's say yeah, you have the lowest batting average right now going into this postseason, and it, it showed in this these two games of the Braves. And you know, the Braves were they came out with the great pitching. They they didn't have much hitting either, but they looked a little bit better than we did. And then David Bell at the end of the day is going to take the blame because he's calling for double steals when they shouldn't be double stealing, wasting a pinch there. You know, wasting pinch runners, you know, just things that it could have been done differently. And obviously he didn't do them correctly. So, yeah, they made the playoffs, but at the end of the day, he still failed. Right. So, I mean, and then you got to look at the hitting. You know, I mean, like I said, the lowest band average is a playoff team ever. When he went to like 224. What is that? I mean, you, you can't have one and not the other. You have to have both to, to actually move on. Right. You got to have at least a 250 batting average as a team. You got to have the pitching, which they have. Trevor Bauer showed that in game one, and, and Castillo did very, fairly well in game two. 
but it, it, there's other things that have got to improve when it comes, especially to hitting. Right. And Alan Zinter better figure it out quick because he's going to be gone. <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to say. Fans are frustrated, uh, and hopefully things turn around next year. Hopefully fans, at least some, are allowed in Great American Ballpark. And uh, we'll see we'll see what happens with that. But, uh, yeah, overall, the season, a little disappointing. Uh, before we get into the postseason game, I do have a question. What do you think about some of the rule, the main rule changes of uh, 2020, and should they ex- extend into uh, 2021? I'll start with the DH in the National League. Do you think, one, do you think they will keep it? And, two, do you think they should? Um, I, I think the popularity of it is is – has grown on the fans because officially a lot of National League fans are like, we don't need the DH. I think we do. It gives another chance, especially when you have a crowded outfield, to have a guy hitting as a DH. Not all the time, but I mean, to you know, fluctuate between you know, a couple hitters. And I think it should stick around. Uh, I'm hoping it does. I think they're going to vote on it maybe in the offseason. So maybe we'll see. I mean, we'll have a universal DH. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I was against it, but now I'm kind of for it, especially seeing how well Jesse Winker did at times with it. It gave uh, it will give Joey Votto a chance to uh, extend his career because uh, he was starting to – I mean, first base is probably – I don't want to say any any position on a major league baseball field is easy, but it's one of the uh, easier positions. I mean, you have to be, you have to be ready a lot, though, but uh, – uh, he did start to slip a little bit defensively this year, and he started to slip last year on, on the defensive side. He's not as fast as he was uh, even five years ago. Uh, so I, I think the DH would give Joey a, a chance to um, possibly uh, – I, I know Joey wants to play the field 165 days games a year, uh, but I, I think in a, in a full season next year, he probably needs to be limited to the field probably 100 games DH the rest with some day off days because the off days really helped him uh, get back in the swing of things, uh, so to speak. So I'm looking forward to the DH. I think it's going to stay. Uh, what do you think about the seven inning double headers? I think they suck. Um, no, um, I think it, it it for the sixty games it it, it helped. I think it, it it helped the fans that get so bored and for nine innings in two games and one in one day. Uh, but I think it's cool. But I mean, there's other things in the seven inning double headers that you they don't get recognition for. If there's a if there's a no hitter, you don't get any recognition for that. You don't right. get that in your stats. Well, I, I think you do. But uh, I know uh, Trevor Bauer on his uh, video blog called it a, a fake no hitter. Uh, but yeah. uh, I don't think that's going to come back uh, just because once gates are open again. Uh, the owners are not going to want the traditional doubleheader. It's been a long time since there's been a traditional doubleheader. So I think uh, they're going – I mean, I've been to, I think, a day-night doubleheader where the first game had 1,400 people there, if that. And um, so I, I think they're going to they're want the two separate gates, the two separate, uh, you know, concessions, beer sales, and then – I think the players like having the extra time between games versus the 30 minutes when there are doubleheaders. I don't think players like doubleheaders uh, to begin with. So I, I don't see the seven-inning doubleheader remaining. I, I think it's going to go back to the day-night doubleheaders for makeup games. Uh, but it, it did add some excitement to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it did. You had some games that were blowouts. You had some games that were pitching duels. I mean, 
that's just, that's baseball. It's not just seven innings to be nine innings. Right. Now, what about the uh, the pitcher must pitch to three hitters before being taken out or or, or an end of the inning uh, rule? I think as a manager, you hate that because you like to play the matchups. So if you got a lefty facing a lefty and that guy gets out or gets on or whatever, and you got a righty coming up, you can't go out and change a pitcher. So I think that as a manager, you hate that. Um, as a pitcher, you probably like it. You get to face, you can at least face three innings, you know, three pitchers in the inning. So I think that, I think as a reliever, you like it. Right, and the but, but, yeah, I'm kind I'm kind of with you. I I didn't like it at all. Uh, there was matchups where it, it definitely hurt both the Reds and their opponents and other teams. Uh, I don't know if it really saved that much time. It's gonna be this season's gonna be kind of hard to tell as far as uh, time of games because uh, you lose the uh, in stadium audience tv doesn't have as many commercials this year so i think there were times they were cutting the two minutes and 25 minutes a little short uh, i mean tv never missed anything but it seemed like yeah that that uh, commercial break was really quick and they're back at it already so i think some of the games this year went shorter because of that there was no fans so uh, some of the players i took a little bit off of their showmanship that some of them i think have Trevor yeah. Bauer was definitely not one of them, <laughs> but uh, some of the unnecessary showmanship that you see sometimes in, in ball games, uh, and you know, some of it's just excitement and the players getting into it with the crowds. Uh, the, I think with the Reds, you saw that with the field crew a little bit, getting them a little bit more energy, uh, during the season. But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I'm not sure this, this, the, you gain enough time to, to, uh, eliminate the uh, strategy of uh, pitching matchups. And, and it definitely hurt because, uh, you know, there's some left-handers out in the league that just cannot get right-handers out when, when they're down to their two pitches of of uh, the fastball and then whatever their secondary pitch is. Yeah, and I think like Amir Garrett, for instance, um, he's, he's taking over left-handers. That slider is sick. Um, but I guess right-handers, I don't think he has much success. I could be wrong. Uh, right. I haven't looked at the stats of the matchups there, but I think, uh, especially, um, I know it's Russell Glacius, who's everybody's favorite. Um, <laughs> he he's had trouble with righties, um, and that's is if he's going to stay closer, he's got to fix that. Right. Yeah, Amir Garrett. Uh, let's see his his splits uh, this year were. I should have done my homework on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his splits this year versus uh, left-handed hitters um, had an a four, an O forty three batting average versus right-handed hitting though uh, two thirty one, uh, which doesn't sound bad, but that's a huge difference. Uh, he gave up nine hits to right-handers, only one hit to left-handers, but gave up four home runs to right-handed hitters uh, this year. Yeah, I mean, if you stay closer, you got to fix it. I mean, yeah. you got a whole off season to fix it. Yeah, that, that's that's Amir Garrett now. Rossiel Iglesias, his biggest problem is when he's been brought in for non-save situations more than uh, lefty yeah. righty. So in twenty twenty, uh, his splits uh, this year uh, against right-handed pitching was um, batting average one fifty nine, left-handers two thirty seven. 
uh, gave up one home run. Honestly, his stats look a lot better than than you feel like. It just seemed like uh, the hits he gave up uh, when he did give them up seemed to be uh, pretty big ones, especially early on in the season. I guess I'm I'm also thinking about last year when he sucked out loud. Yeah, yeah. This year he actually came back and didn't have. He wasn't a dominating pitcher, but uh, you know he's four and three, two seven four ERA in twenty two games, uh, twenty three innings pitched, thirty one strikeouts, and a blow one whip. So, you know, I, I think a lot of people just like you uh, remember last year where it was uh, not good. So last year his splits, uh, right handers were hitting two forty, left handers were hitting two forty one. Uh, he gave up uh, 12 home runs on the year, uh, 13 doubles, a triple. Uh, so, granted, a much much longer season, but uh, he, he was much more effective this year, last year. Um, How many home runs did he give up last year? 12. Oh, that's, that's, a, that's a very high number for a closer. And 21 walks. That's not terrible. No, but it's a little high. And what do you have this year? How many walks? Eight. Uh, hang on. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't have that in front of me either. <laughs> uh, so at a sink tonight. Yeah, I know he had five. <laughs> he had five walks uh, this year. Okay, so he did. Yeah, he had a better season, but it didn't feel like it. Like you said, he just didn't feel like it. Every time he saw him, he's giving up something. <laughs> I, I think it was just early on, and uh, when he turned it around, people just didn't give a credit for it. And then, of course, he had the very a lot of times people remember remember you for what you did last, and uh, his last game was similar to uh, some of his first games. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe, we'll get, maybe next year, you know, he may be lights out. You never know. Yeah, it could be. He's like Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> well, hopefully he will be. I think next year is his contract year, so. Yeah, he's going to be vying for more money. So, yeah, he's going to go out there and pitch like he's like his butt's on fire. Yeah, so the beginning of the year, he gave up two run, two run runs in the first game uh, with the loss. Another run in the second outing uh, that was also against Detroit. Uh, then he he went through a streak of four games of nothing. Then against St. Louis, uh, blew the lead with that and uh, gave up three earned runs. And then he went on a pretty good streak where he didn't give anything up again. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six games. Uh, gave up a run with another blown lead uh, against Pittsburgh. And then after that, that was on September the 6th. After September the 6th, uh, his next uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, eight games uh, didn't give up a run. So uh, he had a much better season, turned it around. But the games where he was bad, he was bad. Yeah, a lot of those games were key games. I mean, like you said, 60 games. You can't have bad games, and he did have some. Right, but much better than 2019. Hopefully he turns around for 2020. And, uh, you know, the Reds have – Or 2021. I, I, <laughs> I, I just want to skip over 2020. I do too. I know, man. <laughs> Leave it behind. Yep, so the, the other rule change, uh, which uh, I think uh, that we didn't cover, was starting extra innings with a runner on second. Yeah, I hated that. Yeah, I'm not a fan either. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of gave some excitement to the game, but uh, say that for the All Star game, I think it works great there. Maybe, maybe uh, the few games in uh, spring training where you go into extra innings, it might be good. But uh, regular season games, I, I, I'm not a fan. The guy that uh, 
that got out last, I guess, starts the starts out on second. <laughs> it kind of makes no sense. Yeah, yeah it just it eliminates the fact you got out last inning and you get another shot. It's, right. Yeah. yeah and, this and, is, I know they do it in the minors, but it doesn't work in the majors. Granted, uh, and this is kind of one of my pet peeves. I know they didn't use it in the postseason, which makes me think it's not going to be back next year. I don't think the players like it, uh, but – if you're going to play the season with that rule, you should play the postseason with that rule as well. Yeah, I did notice they did eliminate that in the postseason. Right. So, uh, so yeah. So that pretty much covers the rule changes. So we've been kind of avoiding this. Uh, let's get into the games. Uh, for game one, it was everything you wanted in a baseball game. If you're a baseball purist, other than of course the DH and the NL. It's a one nothing 13-inning pitching duel. Uh, the Reds had plenty of opportunities in this game. They had 11 hits, uh, one error, uh, which didn't hurt anything. That was a Joey Votto error, if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, it seems like he always makes an error when Trevor Bauer is pitching. I don't know what it is, like his kryptonite or something. I don't know. Right. But uh, anyway, Reds lost one nothing. Archie Bradley uh, got the loss. Uh he hadn't pitched in like ten games when he came into this, but it was in the thirteenth inning. If you if you uh, keep giving the home team a chance after the twelfth inning, I have no stats to back this up, but uh, it seems like that's you're pretty much asking for a, a loss there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to talk. Let me mention something about you know Archie Bradley. You know, there's there's a big stretch there where we didn't see him in key games. Now I don't know if he was injured. I don't know if he was fatigued. I don't know. But I just know there was a stretch where we were all calling, why isn't Bradley in the game, you know? Right. I think that was uh, – I think he was – I don't know if injured's the right word, maybe hurt, and David Bell was not using him. So uh, whatever the reason, I, I saw him on Trevor Bauer's podcast or video blog a couple of times. But, uh, but yeah, he, uh, he uh, didn't do good this game. But, like I said, when you're um, – when you give the other team so many chances to come back to win, eventually they're going to. Yeah, I mean, and you look at Trevor Bauer, I mean, seven to two-thirds and 12 strikeouts is a new Reds postseason record. I think that was, was that a National League uh, postseason record too, or is that just the Reds? Uh, I think it's just the Reds. I think the old record was Tom Seaver. He had 10. Oh, okay. Well, Tom Seaver never played in the postseason for the Reds, so I think that must have been a National, a National League or Major League record. It could, yeah, you could be right. It could be right. I mean, I heard it wrong. Yeah, so. Uh, that's, that, that's certainly right for listening to Matt Pascursion. <laughs> <laughs> he don't know nothing. You know, I take, no, that, I take, that, I take that back to the Reds. I, I think we're in the NLCS, uh, Tom Seaver's first year. I bought, was it 78? 79, I think. 79, 78, 79, something like that, yeah. Yeah. The year I think Tom, or Tom Seaver did a no-hitter, I think it was 79. Yeah, so, no, no-hitter was later, I believe. I don't know. <laughs> you are just like completely off tonight. I, I I know. I've got a lot going on in my head right now. I, you know, so, I'm sorry. I'm, if I'm getting the dates wrong, I apologize. But I know that that's what I heard was Tom Seaver had 10 strikeouts in postseason. Oh, okay. you, know, you know what? You were right. I'm wrong. Uh, Tom Seaver in 1978. Uh, through a no hitter, yes, the Cardinals. Uh, correct, four nothing uh, win for the Reds. I know <laughs> your silence is awkward. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but yes, and and Bauer did become the first pitcher in Major League postseason history to strike out twelve. 
issued zero walks and gave up no runs. Isn't that amazing? 37 strikeouts in this game. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. It's a, the hitting across the league was not good this year. The Reds were just like one of the worst teams of that. I mean, if you if you want to be an aspiring pitcher and you want to watch a pitching clinic, watch this game. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, so the Reds, though, they had opportunities. And uh, the Reds, one was the double steal attempt, which... Uh, I hated this. <laughs> you know... Here's the thing. I always, especially when the Reds had Billy Hamilton and he would be on third base and there'd be a runner on first with less than two outs, I'm like, run the guy at first base every time. The worst thing you're going to do is either lose an out or Billy Hamilton's going to steal home. You're well, either going to get the guy at second there, but, but uh, I mean, uh, I, I, I can't speak tonight. <laughs> Aquino... <laughs> Aristides Aquino was at uh, third base, and uh, yeah, he got caught stealing. Well, let's clarify this, okay? Let's let's the the brainchild behind this stupid decision was David Bell. He admitted it. He said it was his call, but then again, he wasted a, t- a pinch hitter on Matt Davidson trying to steal second, which would throw went, and then Aquino getting run down, and uh, right, the whole and, thing was just and, so frustrating. And he did this with two outs. Even with Billy yeah. Hamilton on the on on the uh, on third base, you wouldn't try that because the runner at second gets thrown out. Then the run's not going to count anyway, and you're out of the inning. Or you you have this debacle, and uh, you still get no outs or still get no runs. This was this was the dumbest move you could have done in this situation. Right. Yeah. So. So to, I, know, I, I feel like punching my screen because I'm talking about this again. So to start the inning, uh, Mike Moustakis grounded out uh, first first base to the pitcher. Uh, Aquino came up. He got a single to left. Uh, then uh, Jesse Winker came up, got a hit by pitch. Aquino went to second base. Uh, Kyle Farmer came up, uh, grounded out on the fielder's choice. Uh, Aquino went to third and uh, got the force out at second. So Winker was thrown out, Farmer at first. And then there's two outs. Uh, and David Bell calls Farmer to try to steal second. Uh, he gets caught in a rundown. Aquino tries to come home. They throw back to home. Uh, it was crazy. It was a. It went from uh, uh, from the catcher to second base to first base to third base. Uh, everybody with the shortstop touched the ball uh, in the infield. Um, yeah, I it, was breaking every piece of furniture in my living room because I saw this. Yeah, if there was one out, you could have done that. You could have had Aquino take a decent lead, uh, but wait until the throw goes to second and then try to come home. It, it's a, definitely a, a video game play. It's one that uh, if, with a speedy guy, you can probably uh, get away with it if they throw to second. Uh, if, if it's a guy like Aquino who has some speed, but he's not a Billy Hamilton, he's not an Eric Davis, um, even though there was early comparisons of that to him, uh, you just don't try it, especially in the playoffs when there's two outs. You don't do a double steal. I mean, even if you had Brian Goodwin at third base, it still wouldn't work. No, not with two outs. No, two outs. It's, it's ridiculous to do, and you're not even winning the game. No, and one with one out with the unless you have a surefire guy, a Billy Hamilton type player, uh, then. 
you know, Billy Hamilton would have been perfect uh, when he got on base, but he didn't do that, so that's why he's still not a red. And I don't even know if he's in baseball anymore. I think, or did he stay with the Cubs, or did they cut him as well? Um, I think he's still with the Cubs. Yeah, but uh, I mean, those situations, I could see the if the Cubs were uh, still in the postseason, I could have seen them uh, trying that with him in a in a situation similar, but not with two outs <laughs> because if the guy gets thrown out at second or. Uh, it doesn't matter if uh, Hamilton scores or not because most likely they're going to get that out before Hamilton crosses He as fast as he is. It's a, a huge risk, especially in a 0-0 game, I, I, and it just made no sense. And then later on, another base running, and I don't know if this fell on Votto or if it fell on the third base uh, coach, but, uh, I mean, it, it was a shallow hit ball into uh, left field, and Votto stops at third, uh, and the throw was offline. So I think Votto probably could have still scored uh, if he would have went. But, uh, but uh, yeah, he got a bad break off a of second because he didn't know if the ball was going to be caught in the infield. So he didn't want to get thrown out that way. And then, uh, But he didn't score, and no one scored. T.J. House needs to be replaced as a third-base coach. Yeah, he made so many different uh, – since he's been here, it seems like – I mean, nobody's Mark Berry. I mean, the third-base coach, no matter who it is, is always going to get uh, a lot of grief. When they moved Billy Hatcher over to third base, he got a lot of grief. They never got his first-base coach. Um, so, I mean, there there's a lot of pressure on the third-base coach because if it works, you're a genius. If you get thrown out or stop them too soon – uh, you're an idiot, uh, but it seems like there's been a lot of uh, the last two years, a lot of plays where people got thrown out unnecessarily and and slow runners were sent. I miss Mark Barry. I mean, I, as somebody a small third base who can who can judge when you can tag up on a deep fly compared to a pop up. I mean, there's it, it a difference there. And, and TJ House, he doesn't get that. I know he works with the catchers and all that stuff. Maybe he should stick to doing that and not be in third base. <laughs> so let's go to game two. Hope Springs Eternal. They're going to get this game as we go into it. And, uh, yeah, Red's got two hits all day, another error, uh, and lose the game 5 nothing. Uh, decent pitching outing by Sonny Gray. Or not Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo. I was hoping to get the game three so Sonny Gray got a chance, but uh, that didn't happen. Uh, one more note on the uh, on the game we just talked about. Um, Brian or Brian, I almost said Brian Price again. <laughs> David <laughs> Brian Price couldn't get into a into the postseason if it was a twelve game or twelve team postseason. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, wait, wait, didn't he become the pitching coach of the Mariners? Yeah, yeah, I think I think he did. But anyway, uh, so. Game one, he brought out the left-hand lineup. Shogo was not on the game, was not on the team, or leading off. I, I, I hate it. I, it, it seemed like when they, when he started playing Shogo every day or almost every day, that's when the Reds got on the roll. Even if Shogo got on a little bit of a roll, uh, he didn't have Shogo hitting in the second game, but uh, yeah, the first game was definitely a uh, left-handed hitting. Uh, lineup and it didn't work uh, the analytic stuff I, i've seen some teams fire their analytic only guys because they weren't looking at scouting uh they and they just had really bad results uh, the angels have not made the postseason with the best player in baseball uh 
And a lot of it, uh, the guy that the general manager there is getting a lot of heat because he's going by this uh, analytics and not paying attention to scouting. And scouting still has a place. The the analytics have a, have a place too, but you got to do both. And uh, you know everybody wants to do the money ball. I think it's ruining baseball. It's ruining small ball. Hopefully, some team out there uh, takes a chance. Still uses the analytics. I don't. I think there's a place for it. Uh, but uh, strategy needs to come back into the game, not just swinging for the fences, which you see so much out of every team in baseball, and especially the Reds this year and a little bit last year too. It kind of worked some for Suarez last year. This year it didn't. Well, I, I agree. I think a lot of these GMs need to not be try and be Billy Bean. Uh, what he's been doing is working. I mean, they're still in the postseason. Right, but you know something? Oakland has no World Series out of all that uh, time, it's kept them winning. They've had winning baseball, but uh, they've never made it to the World Series uh, since the since the uh, since Billy Bean came in and was forced to go into uh, doing the uh, analytics, the money ball, bringing in people that have never played baseball a game in their life. Uh, <laughs> so well, it's, that that's shown because they have obviously you said they haven't made it to the World Series since so. Right, and I mean, some teams uh, like the Red Sox and Astros have used it, but a little bit of cloud over that. So yeah, I, we don't want to, we don't want to talk about that. No, so anything I, but that. So it, it's interesting to see what the Astros will do this year. So I know a lot of their players have not been hitting well. I guess when you don't have a trash can uh, <laughs> telling you what's coming, it makes the game a lot harder. Uh, but with Dusty Baker there, he's kind of the guy. He takes. I'm sure he'll take some of the analytics into play, but I can't see uh, some guy that's some accountant uh, in the in the front office telling Dusty Baker what his lineup's going to be. Yeah, and you know Dusty Baker don't. He's he's a straightforward manager. We know that. So he's not going to put up with any funny business from those right. players. Oh, either. absolutely. Uh, one quick funny note. Uh, and I swear this is true. My kids were playing around banging on my trash can uh, on Sunday, I believe it was, or Saturday. The, the weekend kind of ran together. Anyway, you know how Facebook listens to everything that you say. Yep. But they evidently yep. listen to everything that's going on in the room, too, because after they started banging on the trash can, I got an ad on my phone for uh, Houston Astros uh, face coverings. <laughs> I got a trash can ad. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, back to the awfulness. Uh, speaking of trash cans and dumpster fires, uh, second game, really not a lot to talk about. A decent pitching outing, but um, yeah, it, it, it was ugly. It got ugly when Glacius won the game. Two hits. Suarez got a hit. Freddie yeah. Galvis got a hit. Uh, Winker got a walk and get, and Galvis got a walk and that was it for the Reds. So yeah, they, they, Ian Anderson, a guy he'd never heard of was dominant. Oh, absolutely. And he, he matched Jose or Jose. Wow. No, I'm doing it. He, <laughs> ma he matched everything that the Reds were doing pitching wise. Yeah. Luis Castillo went five and a third. It gave up six hits, only one run. Uh, Lucas Sims uh, pitched really well in the off season or the, the, uh, postseason. Uh, Rossio Iglesias came in, gave up the four runs, three of them earned, and then Michael Lorenzen came in, another good outing by him. So a lot of positive things pitching-wise uh, that early in the season we thought was going to be the problem, uh, especially the bullpen. 
Uh, starting yeah. pitching was never really a, a major problem. Uh, Castillo didn't have the greatest year this year, but uh, you know he had a strong. He had he came around towards the end, started getting some run support, some confidence. Uh, but uh, but yeah, <laughs> not a great way to end the season. They would have just scored one run. Uh, it, it may have been a little bit better. I mean, losing sucks. It doesn't matter if you lose ten to nine or one to nothing. But when you go twenty-two innings, set a record that hasn't been touched in ninety-nine years. Uh, that's bad. Yeah, that, that's very bad. And that's not something you want to live with, but you're gonna have to. Right. Until somebody else, until somebody else comes along and breaks it, which <laughs> I don't know if that's gonna happen in my lifetime. No, probably not. So. Yeah, so the Reds end the year uh, 31 and 29. That's a good thing. End the year, postseason 0 and 2. Another year where a Cincinnati team fails to uh, advance past the first round of a postseason. Seems to be the uh, the song and dance in Cincinnati. Right. Uh, I guess 95 was the last time for the Reds. Uh, I think 90 was the last time for the Bengals. Uh, I mean, you got the minor league teams, the college teams that have gone, that have gone pretty far in the postseason or their or their tournaments. But uh, as far as the two major league sports, uh, I won't count FC Cincinnati yet because they haven't made it uh, to the postseason in their uh, particular league. Um, is, is, is the Atlanta Braves our Achilles heel in, in the postseason? Since we we got swept by them in '95, and then they swept us here. This yeah, year. you know, the Braves. I think it seems like even uh, the even when the Reds were good in 2010, 2012, 2013, it, it seems like the Braves always played the Reds well. I mean, even going back, I think into the '80s when the Reds teams were pretty good. It seems every time we had to go into Atlanta with 500 people in the stands, including Ted Turner, uh, that uh, the Reds struggled for whatever reason against the Braves. Yeah, the 80s, the Braves sucked. They, <laughs> they were did. horrible in the 80s. And, and I had Dale Murphy, but they were still terrible. Yeah, they they were terrible. No one went to the games. Uh of course, no one's going to the games now for completely different reasons, yeah. but uh, I still want to go to that ballpark because uh, I know Trevor Bauer said it's one of his favorite fields uh, down in Atlanta, and uh, I think yeah, the, I've heard good, I've heard good things. I I think that stadium and uh, Pittsburgh Stadium are t- probably two of the best views. Uh, where Atlanta is now, it's not downtown, which is a pain to get to if you ever if you've ever driven. In Atlanta, you don't want to go downtown if you can, so it's kind of a little bit out of the way if you're in Atlanta, but uh, for anybody else, they kind of built that area basically for the ballpark. So uh, the Omni's right there, uh, hotel. I think some people could actually see the game from the rooms. I know they can because a friend of mine stayed there in the offseason, sent me a picture of uh, his room overviewing the uh, the field. So uh, hopefully next year uh, – if not full capacity, close to it will be allowed so we can uh, see some baseball in person. Hopefully the Reds uh, make some moves in the offseason. Uh, I would love to see him sign Trevor Bauer. We'll have a full uh, hot stove league after the playoff uh, editions of the show. But uh, for now, unfortunately, this kind of wraps this up. Next week, uh, we're going to continue our breakdown series. Uh, Pete Rose will be the uh, topic and uh, don't forget to uh, enter in to win the 
commemorative Marty Brenneman microphone 2020 Hall of Fame induction uh, ceremony that did not happen. <laughs> no one was there, including Marty. I think it's going to be rescheduled for 2021 uh, when some people can join and celebrate, hopefully safely. Uh, but um, anyway, if you want to win that, uh, all the details are in our Facebook group. We'll put it on our Facebook page as well, as well as the website. But uh, email, subscribe to our podcast. Send an email with that with the code word playoffs to uh, contest at redsfanschatter.com. And uh, you'll be entered to win. We're going to give it away on November 30th. And you can enter in each and every week uh, with the new code word and, uh, of course, the screenshot. I got to do one for the wild man, by the way. Pete Rose. (laughs) Oh, before we go, we forgot. Who is your player of the season? My player of the season is Trevor Bauer. He's my player and my pitcher of the season as well. Um, I I hope he comes back. Uh, If he doesn't, uh, I I wish him the best of luck wherever he goes. Uh, It's probably not goodbye. It could just be. Uh, see you later, or or maybe not. Uh, we'll get into this right now because I forgot about the, this feature. So now it's here. time for Tales from the Twitter Sphere on the Reds Fans Chatter Podcast. So a lot of things about Trevor Bauer. Reds fans freaking out. Uh, first, he tweets uh, one, which I was kind of surprised, but uh, he tweets to um, to uh, the Boston Red Sox. Hey Red Sox, you up? And he shows his uh, flight, uh, his flight uh, ticket. And I'm one. I'm kind of surprised he's not flying in first class. <laughs> and second, and secondly, this is going to drive because it is. There's not a player like Trevor Bauer out there in baseball. Uh, it's going to drive Reds fans nuts because we're not used to this. <laughs> uh, but. Um, but he is going to be marketing that to all 30 teams, even the Astros. Someone asked him if he would join the Astros. He said he would consider all offers. <laughs> I think it would take the, I think the Astros would take them an astronomical, pardon the pun, uh, amount of money to get him, but you never know. He, he might want to go play for the Astros, especially with Dusty Baker. I know players love, playing for dusty i don't know if dusty would want him though because dusty uh he kind of gets uh he doesn't like some of the stuff uh that players say of course he might uh, kind of just rub it off as as to the off his shoulder as well but if he gets a picture of the caliber of Te- trevor bauer he can definitely deal with it he dealt with the antics of brandon phillips which fans loved uh so it's a little bit like that but uh, bauer is supercharged because he uh, took social media to the next level that Brandon Phillips kind of started early on for Major League Baseball players. He's one of the first on Twitter like that. Uh, but uh, Bauer, he's going to be uh, teasing all 30 teams. And uh, then uh, someone today, another another tweet from Bauer, actually was responding to uh, Joe Burrow, who goes by the name Joey Burrow. I learned this. Winning is fun is what Joe Burrow tweeted uh, for the Bengals and uh, Trevor Bauer responded, "Losing is not fun." <laughs> That's a great retort. <laughs> yes, it is. And then uh, Redleg Jack uh, tweeted to him, "Hey Bauer out- outage, thanks for making the Reds fun to watch again. It's going to suck not having you around next year." 
And Trevor said, who said I'm not going to be around next year? That's the one I was trying to remember earlier. Right. Yep. So uh, it's it's going to be a fun all season with him. It could be disappointing. The best thing to do is try to manage expectation. He's going to want a lot of money. Uh, he has said that uh, things he wants is to be a winning atmosphere. I think the Reds have that, even despite uh, how things ended. Uh, the pitching staff here is very analytical in the way that he likes it. And I think it's a way that actually works, the way analytics can work. It's not necessarily how you manage the game. I think that's where some of the analytics uh, end up hurting and backfiring a lot of the times. Uh, but with the pitching, uh, the drive line uh, that the Reds have brought in, I think because the thing about scouting is it's great to find pitchers that way, but to develop pitchers, especially at the major league record level, I think uh, this, for players that are interested, I think this lets them take their game to the next level. I think you've seen that with Sonny Gray. I think you definitely saw that this year with Trevor Bauer. Uh, Luis Castillo's uh, shown improvements midseason. Uh, so I think the driveline initiative by the Reds, uh, and, and as they get it uh, through their entire system, it may get to a point where if a guy like Trevor Bauer, I mean, he, he's a little bit special because he's probably going to win Cy Young. Uh, but when your top pitcher's uh, contract ends, uh, if you may, instead of having a Robert Stevenson that can't get uh, across the plate, uh, you may get that fixed in double A this time as the uh, pitching goes through the system the COVID hurt because of course there was no minor league system this year but I, I think driveline kind of helps the Reds in recruiting uh Trevor of course at, at the end of the day the Reds got to be in the ballpark uh financially and with that incentive package whether it's going to be one year or two year I don't think Trevor wants a long-term 10-year contract but uh I, I think he said he's been he'll be open to more than one year uh, but in, in his perfect world, he would want one year. And, I, and it kind of makes sense because there's something that uh, Joey Votto talked about at Reds Fest a few years ago when someone asked him about his contract and, and, and contracts in general. And uh, he, he talked about how the long-term contract uh, in in a year-over-year basis saves the team money because a, a player like him at the time, when he used Mike Trout, uh, if it was a year-to-year basis, Trout at that time, he said he could probably get 40 or $50 million a year on a one-year deal, but the t- but the player will take the security uh, of a long-term deal and go with fewer years. And then the team, of course, doesn't have to pay $50 million in one year and then potentially lose uh, the top-tier player. So um, I-, I think Bauer kind of wants to maximize, especially as a pitcher, because as age goes with pitching, especially – now with the analytics and the power pitching, uh, it's it's a lot tougher to be the Nolan Ryan type player that pitches thirty years or however long Nolan did. You're close. He was about twenty seven years, but uh, right. I mean, I think you know. I think Bauer. I mean, even if he's open to a two year two year contract, shouldn't be too bad. That's something maybe you should look at. I'm sure the Reds like the two year contracts. Right. Two to, I think four years is, is the is the number that seems that Dick Williams always goes for with a lot of these deals. Uh, I don't know if Trevor would sign that long unless there was an opt-out to uh, renegotiate the deal. Uh, but uh, we'll see. It's going to be an interesting offseason, and uh, 
One thing about Trevor, he's going to negotiate on social media as much as he can. I'm sure he's not going to do numbers, but he's going to tease each fan base and see uh, and have a lot of fun with it. And as long as he does it the right way, doesn't uh, annoy people in the uh, front office and and uh, has fun with it with the fans, I, I think it's good for baseball. It, it puts a little bit of fun into the business side of baseball, which Honestly, I know some fans live and die for that and the fake trades, but uh, honestly, a lot of players don't like that. Uh, they want to be basically like everybody else. They want to find a job and stay there and, and retire. Uh, Trevor's not that guy. He wants to uh, he wants to go where the winning is and where the money is and where where he can best develop his skills. So I, I think he liked playing in Cincinnati. Uh, he, it looks like he liked uh, his apartment over in Covington. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, he lives out in Phoenix, and I, I would love to live in Phoenix, especially this time of year. And uh, so who knows? He could be a Diamondback. He could be uh, – because they've, they've uh, cut a lot of payroll. And the, the other thing uh, – and we'll get into this in a few weeks on our on – our, uh, off-season episodes, hot stove episodes. But uh, the biggest question is, how has COVID affected major league budgets? Well, I mean, can we can we use Wade Miley as an example? Right. I mean, that was the worst signing, I think, that we've had in a long time. Um, I think – I can't blame COVID on that. I know he was injured a lot. Right. Well, well my point is, uh, you know, the Reds uh, usually, if I remember from Forbes, get about $48 million or so from gate revenue. Yeah. Uh, I know the Braves, uh, before the season restarted, they were showing 97% losses uh, from year over date, reduction in sales but because they're a publicly traded company. All their information is uh, available. So, I mean, is that going to hurt uh, the market for a guy like uh, Trevor Bauer, or is Bauer going to be safe since he's probably the best free agent out in baseball this year? Uh, and some of the lower middle middle uh, to lower guys are just not going to get the deals that they would have even last year. I think the big contracts are not going to happen, being that you didn't have any fans, so you didn't you didn't have that revenue. So you're, right. you're going to be- – because even if you say Trevor Bauer, I mean, going back to Arizona where he started, you know, there's there's a, there could be something there because he say he lives out there. But I don't know how much money they're willing to pay. He could win the Cy Young. Who knows? Right. Can he get a, you get a $20 million a year contract? I don't know. Right. Well, I mean, he definitely would get $20 million. And the Reds were giving him that uh, this year, I believe, before uh, before the shortened season. But, I mean, next season, uh, nothing's guaranteed to either I, I think they'll have a full 162 game season i think there'll be some fans allowed in uh but will it be enough to get back to normal revenues and i don't think so because um with what dr fauci's been touting uh whether you want to believe him or not uh he's he's more pessimistic but uh he's saying probably end of 2021 at best if we could if we get back to quote unquote normal if ever so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully he's wrong. Hopefully we find a way to safely have 40,000 fans in an outdoor arena. Uh, but, uh, we'll see I don't want to make any predictions on that, but, uh, hopefully the Reds uh, can find a way. Hopefully more importantly, the Reds can find a way to have a, uh, 
another winning season next year. And uh, hopefully uh, one world change we didn't talk about, and we'll end the show on this, the eight-team playoff system for a full season. I, I want it to return. Yeah, because who knows what it'll look like in a 162-game season. Right. And, and you know, it, it made the last month of the season, uh, granted, and last week of the season, uh, it's super exciting. I think it would in a 162-game season as well. And, and hopefully, because I think it hurts the fans in the long run, it avoids these giant mass teams uh, doing uh, fire sales every single year, and you don't go through these six, seven-year streaks of uh, no winning seasons uh, like the Reds are doing, like uh, the Pirates are probably getting ready to get into uh, once again. So I, I think overall it's good for the game to have the eight teams. Yes, there's going to be some years where losing teams sneak in, but uh, I, I think it brought excitement. I think it brought excitement to the postseason. Uh, the, the days are long gone where there's only one team from each league just meeting in one series to determine the champion. Um, I, I think it's time to uh, keep this playoff system. If they can, if they can still get it in to where it starts the first of October, so they're not playing baseball on Thanksgiving. I, I think it's a good thing. I, I don't like the uh, neutral sites uh, in normal years, so hopefully they that doesn't stick. Uh, I think this year it kind of had to, uh, just because of COVID and uh, keeping the players. In as much of a bubble as possible, it's not a true bubble like the NBA, but uh, it, it's, it's hopefully keeping them all in one place for a couple of weeks uh, keeps them from uh, going out and uh, and taking risks. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, I don't want to see baseball played in November because that just doesn't feel right to me. Right. So it's, let's it's keep it the way it is. It's happened before, but uh, but yeah, if with if the season starting or the season the last couple of years, they've tried to get the postseason started first of October, and that even with this uh, with this expanded round, it's only two more games than what it was before, uh, as far as each team and and progressing through the through the weeks of October. So the four round playoffs or three round, yeah, four rounds of playoffs. I think. Uh, think it works well is it's gonna it's gonna make more excitement for the for baseball and i i think it's part of the tv deal that they signed uh for postseason which may give the reds and other teams money to sign guys like trevor bauer and we'll end it on that so until next season go reds go reds <laughs>